With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. He's a well-respected high school football scout. Known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. In the transparent truth. Tr- tr- <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening live to The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. I'm in the house. I'm not in the building, GB. I'm in the house recording live from Miller Nation in Cerritos. We're not in the studio today, but I got my man Greg Biggins with me. GB, what's up? It's not the Miracle Mile, but it works for me. It, I kind of like it here. Yeah, it's not the Miracle Mile. It feels Mile. like home. It is home. Probably because it is your home. Yeah, so we're recording live in my, my kitchen in my dining room. Uh, not at the studio this week. Coach Keith has a trip. He's flying out tomorrow, uh, which is Tuesday. So we're at the house recording because normally we record on Tuesdays at the studios. But uh, regardless, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to recap and get into. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. We got to start off with recruiting news. There's always recruiting to talk about. We got the GOAT, the nation's top recruiting guru. Greg the Goat Biggins. GB, hit us where it hurts. Yeah, so a lot of new commitments this past weekend. Start off with a guy who we talk about almost every single week, Casimir Allen. In fact, I think last week we broke the news, but not really because our show comes out a day after we record. But he picked up an offer from UCLA, I believe, on a Tuesday. He committed a day later. Yeah. So, again, that moved quick. And I think you mentioned it a few times in that offense, they definitely need some speed in the backfield. He's an explosive kid. Break that fit down for me. Casimir Allen, Chip Kelly offense. The, the Chip Kelly offense is about, it's a one cut and go offense. So a guy like Casimir Allen, who has the ability to stick his foot in the ground and get vertical to, to top speed off that plant is imperative in this Chip Kelly zone, spread zone run game. He's a terrific fit, built out of the LaMichael James, uh, Keon Barner mode, explosive in the open field, but has that burst once he sticks his foot in the ground to and through the holes. It's a terrific fit. Cashmere Allen, a UCLA Bruin, Chip Kelly offense. It's like a match made in football heaven. So stay with the UCLA thing. They actually picked up a Washington State decommit yesterday, Alec Anderson, Etiwanda offensive lineman, uh, badly needed offensive lineman at UCLA. They had five guys committed and all five guys decommitted. So they were, they were 0 for 5, need some bodies, need some athletic guys that can move. Alec Anderson uh, told me he was kind of like UCLA, was kind of his dream school. And uh, longtime Washington State commit, UCLA came in um, with an offer. He took a visit on Sunday and he committed, decommitted from Washington State three hours later, committed to UCLA on, uh, committed to UCLA yesterday. Speaking of UCLA and decommitments, they actually lost their fifth 
offensive line recruit. The one guy they still had was Trey Stratford from Allen High School in Texas, which is kind of like a college program if you've ever seen the facilities at Allen High School in Texas. But he was locked in to UCLA, except there was one school that if they put an offer out there, he would flip. That one school was the Stanford Cardinal. Stanford does a phenomenal job recruiting out of Texas. He got that offer. He called it a dream offer. And uh, Trey Stratford went ahead and flipped from UCLA to Stanford. So uh, UCLA lost a lineman, and they gained a lineman. Also, uh, quarterback Kenyon Oblad from Liberty High School in Nevada committed, decided to stay close to home, committed to UNLV. Delon Hurt from Servite committed to Utah. Nahe Sulunga from Calabasas. He decommitted from Colorado State about a month ago. Kind of thought this was only a matter of time, but he committed to Arizona. We had a linebacker. Remember Dwayne Bickett, the former NFL linebacker? He's got a son, Lewis Bickett. Um, he took a visit and committed to Cal. He's going to the Bears. And then last but not least, David Yuri from Sarah High School. He's going to the Air Force Academy. So, like yeah, this is a kid who's valedictorian at this high school, 4.3 GPA. So David Yuri going to Air Force. That's a nice group. You know, it's, it's interesting. Recruiting is interesting in itself, Greg. And... <laughs> Guys are committed. Guys take trips. Guys are committed. Guys come out with top sixes. Guys are committed. They decommit. <sighs> the marriage rate is not going to improve based on these statistics. I can tell you that right now. Once my daughter, son get older and, and they want to kind of commit, they're going to stick with that commitment, Greg Biggins. <laughs> I, I ain't going for all that drama, but go ahead. No, by the time, shoot, our kids are getting married, it's probably going to be like, what, three and four out of marriage are ending in divorce, not one out yeah, of two like it is tough, right now, man. unfortunately. Uh, another big decommitment to mention, Treshawn Harrison from Garfield, Washington, an elite two-way athlete, long-time Oregon commitment. But he's having some, some second thoughts about whether Willie Taggart is going to stay or not. So he decided to kind of preemptively decommit. And I think if Taggart decides to... Stay at Oregon, which by the time this airs on Wednesday, we'll probably know that for sure, but we're taping on Monday. Uh, as of today, it looks like USC, UCLA might be the two schools that are kind of pushing hardest for us. You know, Washington Huskies are going to try to get back into it yet, but if Taggart does leave, I mean, that's a whole other topic. There's going to be a whole lot of players who could conceivably open up their recruitment, and uh, you'll see a lot of colleges kind of move in like vultures Absolutely. looking to poach on some of those guys, right? Absolutely. Uh, and then some new offers. How about our guy, Bryce Young, L.A. High School, Cathedral High School in L.A., uh, took a visit to Alabama. They offered him the Tide. Uh, Adrian Martinez, Fresno quarterback, longtime Tennessee commit. He got an offer from Nebraska and their new coach, Scotty Frost. Michigan offered a couple of top underclass receivers from Calabasas High School. The Wolverines offered both Johnny Wilson, who's a 2020 kid, and Micah Pittman, who's a 2019 receiver. Both those guys are exceptional. Uh, Chris Olave from Mission Hills received an offer from UCLA. Had a home visit last night with Jimmy Doherty. When I say last night, I actually mean Sunday night. Uh, Keon and Kiwan Markham, the twins from Long Beach Poly, were offered by the Washington Huskies. Watch this one here. Draper, Utah quarterback, Zach Wilson, longtime Boise State commit, picked up an offer from Iowa. Obviously, Boise State does a great job and is probably... Um, I think still, maybe the team to, to, to beat for Zach, but the Big Ten I know is pretty appealing for, for Wilson, and I, I could conceivably see him maybe visiting out there, kind of seeing what the Big Ten is all about. I know at one point, Zach mentioned he kind of wanted to play you know, in, in a big in a conference, not saying Boise State's not a, State's not a big-time football program, 
but just the whole idea of playing in the Big Ten Conference was kind of intriguing for Zach Wilson. So let's see if he can, uh, if Boise State can hold on to Zach Wilson. Nevada offered a couple underclassmen from modern day high school, William Nemo, Zion Elefazio. Nevada first offers for both those kids. Colorado State offered Upland linebacker Justin Flo, the, the show. The show. You think Colorado State can, can beat out Alabama and Florida? And think they got a chance, the Rams? I, I don't, but it doesn't hurt to have Justin Flo post their, their school mascot, their team, their yeah. image on his Twitter so all the other kids and athletes and parents can see that nice logo. Yeah. It's all about marketing, man. And, and that, what you just said, I don't think people fully get that. I think a lot of people oh, yeah. believe, you know, why is this school even trying with this kid? They have no chance. But you said the free publicity. Sure. You can't put a price on that. Uh, Centennial offensive lineman, a true center solo by Pulu offered by Hawaii, the Warriors. And last but not least, uh, just a sophomore out of Sarah High School, L.V. Bunkley Shelton picked up an offer from Arizona. Shout out to L.V. That's my guy. Sir, there we go. You know what? Out of that group, Greg, one thing stands out to me, and, and I got a chance to look at Bryce Young's full season tape this last week, and man, was I blown away. This kid is better than I thought he was. I thought he was really, really, really good. Yeah. Great. But he's really, really special. In, as in great. Sure. And I was absolutely floored by what he can do on a football field. He looks like the next coming of Doug Flutie slash um, Russell Wilson, but like on steroids. <laughs> oh, man. I was blown away. What a special talent he is. He's going to be huge, huge at the next level. No, I agree. And so, he'll have all, I mean, he wants to make an early decision, too. Um, so this summer, he wants to get it done. So Oklahoma is involved still. USC is involved still. Again, USC's got a tough decision to make. And they've offered both. DJ will be on another lay, who we both love. Sure. Bryce Young, they can only take one. Sure. Right? Who do they prioritize between those two local options? Uh, the Washington Huskies were heavily involved. Uh, Talk to Pops the day Jonathan Smith took the Oregon State job, and he was a, a little bit on the... I don't want to say depressed. He was a little disappointed because he loved Jonathan Smith. He loved the Washington Husky yeah. program. But Washington just uh, got my guy Bush Hamden, who I covered back when he was in high school as the new OC over there. So, And we'll see if UCLA gets involved, right? They didn't really like uh, Jed Fish, the former OC, likes the taller quarterback. Yeah. I don't think Jed Fish is going to be you know, around as the OC quarterback coach. So I think, you know, obviously, Bryce fits the Chip Kelly offense yeah. pretty well, too. So he'll have lots of options, and obviously, he already does. Yeah, I, again, I mentioned this last week. A guy I really trust um, is my oldest brother. Again, he taught me the game of football. And I, I sent Bryce Young's tape to him. He says, oh, my God, this kid needs to go sit in Chip Kelly's office right now and commit. Like, he's, he's hmm. a perfect fit for Chip Kelly. And one thing I know about Bryce, I don't know, Bryce, he doesn't seem like a front runner. Like, he's not going to, like I said with Buki, he's not going to chase the top program. Bryce is somebody I think he can – He's going to elevate a program kind of on his own play, right? He's got that type of talent where he's going to take a program to the next level, like a Dorian Thompson Robin, to a national championship playoff. Mm-hmm. He's the, to me, he's that special. Um, but, yeah, Bryce and the Chip Kelly offense, that's scary. I and mean, that's the childhood. I mean, Pops went to UCLA. That's the you know, childhood Did dream school. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's just, that's, what, that's what made it even more bizarre that they were, so, they were slow playing the kid. Yeah. And, and, again, I mean, if you have an offense that doesn't fit – 
I get it. I get it. Sure. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, if you have a kid who's that exceptional and he wants to come, how about maybe you tweak your offense to fit that exceptional talent? Because there's not a whole lot of exceptional talents walking around this planet. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, besides the guy sitting across from me, you know what? Listen, if you're UCLA and you've got Dorian Thompson Robinson in the fold right now, and then two years later you sign Bryce Young, you have now just put yourself um, in the in the national championship playoff picture for the next five years, if you ask me. Yeah, no, and the, and the cool thing is because again, I think DJ is kind of comes from a USC family. You know, I think that's kind of the school that, that they've always liked. So it'd be kind of fun. You know, we only got, we only got, got to see really one year of Rose and Darnold, but what right. if we got to see like three years of, of Bryce Young versus DJ, you know, going at it in college, SC, UCLA, hopefully they're both good. That'd be kind yeah. of fun to see those two those two guys going at it. Their, fr- their families are friends, yeah, but at the same be. time, they still, I guarantee you, they're still competitive as heck and they would love to go and, and uh, match up head on head. Yeah. See how that goes. I would love to see that. I mean, isn't that what we live for? Isn't that why we compete? Isn't that why we play the game? To compete and be the best? Um, and Herm Everett says something something similar to that. <laughs> he might be around. Speaking might, of Herm. Speaking of Herm. Nab the Arizona State job. Yeah. That's, uh, that was a little bit... Interesting. Interesting is a good word for it. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? My first thought was I, I thought it was a little bit of a reach. I, I, I like Kevin Sumlin, personally. I thought he would have been a perfect guy for that job. And I know guys in that staff that were ready to come in there and start recruiting. Now, obviously, I think Herm Edwards is going gonna to win the press conference. He'll win every press conference. He's going to have the best sound bites. But talk about a guy who hasn't coached. I believe eight years. Almost ten. Was nine, it ten? Nine years. Nine years coming up. No, NFL, ten, ten coming up. NFL guy. NFL guy. Um, in the NFL, twenty games under five hundred. So I mean, I think if you're out of football for that long, and the and the the story was a big part of why he was hired because they want to keep the AD wants to keep the current OC in the current DC. That's why someone said no. He wants to bring in his own guys, and every coach wants to bring his own guys in, right? If you if you're a big time coach and you're being told, it's almost like a, a forced marriage, right? Go, work. To go back to that marriage example from earlier, Kevin Sumlin or any any coach who's an elite guy isn't going to be told who's on his staff, especially not a position like OC, DC. Those are the first two, the most Higher. important positions. Yeah. Now, the current AC, uh, AC, AC, DC, the current OC and DC at Arizona State are both really good coaches, no doubt. They're, they're both very quality. It's not like Herm is, is comfortable with those guys being on his staff. He'll be more of kind of a, you know, a figurehead. You know, Bobby Bowden never called the play. Yeah. You know, he kind of sat in the tower and, and watched practice and, you know, did the sound bites. I think that's the, the hope is that Herm can be the, you know, the motivator. Um, the recruiter. Obviously, he'll help and he'll be great in, in every kid's living room. I mean, if you're a parent, you're going to eat that guy up just listening to him talk. But I thought, I thought it was a little bit of a reach person. I thought ASU could do better. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll I'm not going to hate it until I actually see. Yeah, no, it, it was interesting, like I said. And uh, like you said, we'll, we will have to see Herm Edwards coming to the Pac-12 He's got a tough battle on his hand. There's a lot of really good coaches in the conference. So, uh, moving right along, we have top performers. We have top performers. Uh, let's start here, right here in SoCal, as we normally do. We had a pretty big game out here at Cerritos College. I want to start off with some top performers in that game. Modern day quarterback JT Daniels, 19 for 26, 299 and five touchdowns. Wide receiver, senior, Amon Ross St. Brown, eight catches, 150 and a touchdown. And then junior, elite junior, number one player in the country, junior, if you ask me, Brew McCoy, three catches, 66 yards, three touchdowns. 
Monday offense looked virtually unstoppable. Greg? So one of the most entertaining games I've seen all year was Rancho Verde. Uh, took down St. France, and we'll talk about that game later. But uh, 2020 quarterback Brock White, 22 of 39 for 504 and four touchdowns. He had a receiver, Cameron Woodson, seven catches for 132 and, and two touchdowns. They have like four receivers at Rancho Verde with over 500 yards of offense. Uh, Manny Allen's over there now. He actually had a, a pretty nice play in that game, like a 90 plus yard touchdown in that game. It was back and forth again. We'll, we'll get into that game later. But uh, put that guy on your on your hat if you're a college. 2020 quarterback Brock White, good size, touch, accuracy, and came up clutch. Which, if you're a quarterback, that's the first thing I want to know is can the guy come through in the clutch situations? Brock White led his team to a game-winning field goal. I heard it was a great game. It was so much Francis. fun. I, it was tape delayed, so I actually knew uh, the outcome of the game already. But I still, still I still watched watch it because Twitter was just blowing it up. And yeah. I was just it was back. In, there was literally like 18 lead changes. How my guy Parenthes do? He was good. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know, I'll give you his go stats ahead. right yeah, now. Okay, so it. he was 13 to 23 for 294 and two touchdowns. He had two touchdowns rushing or two touchdowns rushing. And then Greg Dolcich, we talked about him last yeah, week. The tight end. He's a good-looking player. He's oh, yeah. 6'4 and 215, no offers. He had four uh, catches for 127 and one touchdown. So Darius, just a junior. Dolcich is a senior, so he needs to get out right now. And so if any school looking for a big receiver slash hybrid tight end, 6'4, 215, athletic, Greg Dolcich is a guy that can go. Yeah, no, no question about it. Dolcich, um, he's a guy that's gonna be. Sounds like he's a sleeper of the week, real, real soon. Yeah, absolutely, Greg, you know absolutely. what I mean. Absolutely. Uh, let's take it to the LA City section. Narbon blows up Crenshaw. Running back Jamar Jefferson, we call him Munchie. That's his nickname. <laughs> Twenty-one carries, one eighty-seven, three touchdowns. Wide receiver Steve Jenkins, emerging young prospect, five catches, one thirty-five, two touchdowns. Senior quarterback and last year's. Uh, State Junior of the Year, Jalen Chapman, 18 for 26, 245 yards, four touchdowns as Narbonne rolls over the Cougars. Correct? And Stephen Jenkins, by the way, picked up his first two offers after that game. Nevada and Hawaii offered Stephen. Just a uh, just a junior. I think you mentioned that. So yeah. Stephen Jenkins, he's going to be on everybody's radar. At least should. How about the game that Cajon quarterback Jaden Daniels had? Talk about a dual-threat guy. How about he threw for 261, he rushed for 278, he had eight total touchdowns, four passing, four rushing. Man, talk about if a school needs a guy that can run it and throw it a little bit, I think Jaden can do some things too. I think he fits any system though. He can throw it pro style, he can he can play in a any type of a zone read or just any type of system that needs a quarterback that can move around a little bit, which for me should be every offense in the country. Um, Jaden Daniels though, congrats on a great year. He went Vince Young. Those are Vince Young's. Yeah, those are Vince from, Young stats. Um, his sophomore year versus Michigan in the Rose Bowl, and also his junior year when they won the national championship versus USC. It was you know two hundred fifty yeah. rushing, two hundred fifty yeah. rolling. Yeah, You know six total touchdowns or seven total touchdowns. I mean, you know, I think he, I told you the story about Vince Young. Him at the Elite Eleven, and he he came kind of from a a, a little. Um, not really, not really well off area in Houston. Kind of shy. Came to the eleven. He wanted to go home after the first day. Just didn't fit in. Didn't like it there. Just, just didn't feel like that was his scene. We put all the players' highlight tapes after that first night. He had by far one of the best highlight tapes you ever see. I mean, picture a USC game and him doing that with against 16, 17 year old kids. Yeah, every running, play. Every play was a touchdown. He was state player of the year, and everyone's watching it. And this, this is the best of the best. And they're all just freaking out, jumping up and down. And all of a sudden, Vince Young just became a different guy overnight. Literally, he just he opened up. 
and he had a great week at, week at camp. But it was cool just to see once kids actually saw his tape and were just like, man, you, and they're just praising the kid and talking about how great he was. And he, his personality changed. He had a great week from wanting to go home one night to just having a great week and being comfortable with, with who he was and with all the other quarterbacks. It was a really cool deal. I mean, that, to me, that just resonates in my head. That's what confidence will do for you. Totally. When you have the confidence, Greg, when you have the juice, nothing can stop you. That's how you feel. You know, you, you like show enough. You got that glow. And, you know, somebody's got to bend that kneel down and kiss your converse. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> uh, show enough. It's a great movie, Last Dragon. Yeah, Last Dragon. Come on, man. Of course you know, I My saw wife's that. never seen it. Dude. I know. I'm waiting to take it for a nice movie now where we can get some free time from the kids. Don't that's worry. a that's a that's a must. Last see. Dragon, baby. Last Dragon. Uh, let's take it to the city section. Was this the? I guess Narbonne plays in the open division city section championship. So I guess they called the division one championship was Dorsey versus San Fernando. Correct. San Fernando running back Trevor Gill, 28 carries, 151 yards, and a touchdown, and they hold on to a victory and beat Dorsey in the division one city section championship. Greg. Let's go to a, a losing effort. Uh, I mentioned Cajon, Jaden Daniels, but Downey High School, uh, running back Brock Ross, still he got off 145 yards and three touchdowns. He is a senior. He is waiting for schools to come and give him a look. Uh, Brock Ross had a really good season for Downey and had three touchdowns in that championship game. And how about Paraclete High School? Dean Harrington. Out. Oh, yeah. Sent out a tweet and I was super nice about it. I, I, I had a, I de- you know, what I do. I, I send a tweet and I delete it yeah. and I make it nicer just yeah. to, just to be nice. But Alamani actually fired this guy two years ago, Dean Harrington. It's, it's, <laughs> this is a coach who beat Centennial, who beat Narbonne, who won the Mission League, I believe, three years in a, four four years in a seven year period. That's yeah. probably the t- second toughest league in SoCal after the Trinity League. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Bishop Mont, talk about Sarah, talk about Chaminade. Alamany won how many games the last couple years? Maybe five. In you can probably count on one hand. And Dean Harrington yeah. just won a second CF championship. They're going to be playing Narbon this weekend. That's going to be one of the games of the week. I think I'm going to be at that one, Narbon and Paraclete. That'll be a good one to watch. Hey, Alamany administration. <laughs> they need a really bra. Don't go Eric Benet. That's all I got to say. Don't let the baddest girl get away. Uh, well, let's move along. Yeah, no, so Reverend White. Uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't even get to my stats. Just yeah. got a little vent. Uh, so four more touchdowns for Brevin. Uh, 189 yards in that one. He had a couple pretty impact receivers that are both really good. Andre Hunt. Six catches, 92 yards, and two touchdowns. One rushing touchdown and one interception. So Andre Hunt kind of did everything well. Then we got our guy Amir Bankhead, just a freshman. 19 carries for 195 yards. 55-yarder. And a 71-yarder also had a receiving touchdown. So, Amir Bankhead, just a freshman. Keep your eye on this kid. He's got three more years to go. Yeah, he's a baller. I want to take it to the other side of that game. More part quarterback. I want to shout out Blake Mm -hmm. Sturgill, the sophomore. 150 yards passing, but four touchdowns. He fought to the very, very end. Um, You talked a little bit about Jaden Daniels at Cajon. I want to talk about Darren Jones, his receiver. Eight catches, 119, three touchdowns. Um, there's a wide receiver over at Downey who played really, really well. Chris Atkins, nine catches for 116 yards. Want to take it to Antelope Valley really quickly. Jamal Bell had a 23-yard touchdown run and an 89-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. This dude is explosive and electric when he gets the football in his hand. Uh, Oaks Christian, if I could just touch on that really quickly. Yeah. What a great game. 
let's start off on the losing side. Mikael Wright from Valencia, two touchdowns receiving, one interception. Josh Calvert for Oaks Christian, a touchdown pass, also had a sack on defense. Kayvon Tindall dominated from his edge position, four sacks, three in the second half. And then kicker, A.J. Colhane, 27-yard field goal for the win. And Oaks Christian defeats Valencia in a big-time upset, if you ask me, GB. I watched the game, and it was, it was kind of surreal just seeing. And we'll talk about that a lot more later. Yeah. But it was a game where I felt like if they played maybe five times, you think Valencia would probably have the edge. But just the relentless pressure. I mean, 11 sacks, but that doesn't even describe. They were, they were in the quarterback's face the whole entire game. And yeah. I still saw a lot of slow developing five-step drops, maybe even a few seven-step drops, more, more so five. I mean, if you're having trouble, man, get the ball out quick. Mikhail Wright was unbelievable in that game. And that last drive, he wasn't even on the field. And if he was, he was hot. They, were, they didn't even try to target him. Might have been hurt, might have been injured, but he was electric yeah. in that one. Jim Harbaugh was, Harbaugh was on the sideline for that game, so I'm not going to be surprised if Michigan offers Mikhail Wright, but that was the best I've ever seen Kayvon play. Yeah. And he was, he was chasing down plays from behind, obviously pressuring the quarterback with those four sacks, hits on the quarterback, played again with, with a, a kind of relentlessness you want to see a big-time four-star, five-star guy. You want to see them play with that kind of motor, Yeah. and he had it. So That's great to hear. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I think I'm good, man. I think I'm good on my top performers. I didn't have a whole lot this week. Yeah, I'm going to take it to NorCal really quick. There's a kid, I think, who might have been the player of the weekend uh, in San Diego. But really quickly, let's go to NorCal. My guy, Caden Bennett, the quarterback from Folsom, 411 yards, four touchdowns. Be prepared to see them in the state championship game. This kid's a phenomenal player. He's got a receiver, Joe Nagata. Eight catches, 223 yards. He's also big time. De La Salle, running back, linebacker, Henry Taoto. 151 yards, a touchdown, and 11 tackles. Uh, Sarah, Mate- Sarah Mateo, San Mateo, junior quarterback, Blake Batari, three touchdown passes. And then Galileo, quarterback, a five foot three QB, Adrian Poot, 180 yards, two touchdowns, and also threw, two point, threw for two two point conversions. The five foot three quarterback leads his team to a Northern Section title. So shout out to Adrian Poot. Little man with a big heart. Take it down to San Diego really quickly. Eli Noya, a helix. 28 rushes, 164 yards, three touchdowns as they take down Jack Tuttle at Mission Hills. Chris Olave, still big time versus helix. Olave, the wide receiver, 12 catches, 150 yards, and a touchdown. Maybe the player of the weekend and a repeat performer seems like every weekend, Greg. Mono Vista running back, Jamon McClendon. 31 carries, 383 yards, and eight touchdowns. The guy goes off again. It sounds like he's trying to catch Casimir Allen. Not now, but right now. San Diego High School uh, quarterback Quinn O'Connor, 16 to 25, 317 and five touchdowns. And last but not least, El Camino running back Chris Brown, 19 carries, 138, and two touchdowns. And they are in the regional championship for El Camino. So shout out to all our top performers, GB. Nice job by Chris Brown. I actually was talking to him this morning. He took a visit to Cal. I think Cal is probably the team to beat right now. So good to know that he had a good game over the weekend. I didn't even ask him about his game. Yeah, no question about it. So uh, I think it's time to get to our sleeper of the week. You got a guy? I got a guy. Who is it? Let's go. All right. It's time for our sit and sleep sleeper of the week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects 
that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. I want to shout out defensive back from Cajon High School, 2020 kid, Cam Forrest. Defensive back as our transparent, true, sit and sleep, sleeper of the week. Uh, Got a chance to evaluate this kid. Coach very, very well. I think his pops coaches him over there at Cajon. He's got excellent feet. He's quick. He's got terrific ball skills. He's got emerging aggressiveness as a perimeter corner. Um, I just really like his savvy. I love his swag. He plays with tremendous confidence. Cam Forrest, a 5'10", 165-pound defensive back out of Cajon. Again, we know Cajon just won the CIF title. This kid's a big-time player, uh, and he will be on the radar for all for the springtime and for all recruit recruiters coming to Cajon in Southern California. So Camp Forest, congratulations. Our sleeper of the week from Cajon High School. Nice job, Cam. Let's move along, GB. Yeah, we got some games. We just jump in and start breaking some of these down. Yeah, I mean CIF championship games. Now these aren't just games. Right? No, these, these are this, these, is, this is what you play for. This is what you play for. You play to win the game. Let's start off in the city section. We'll go five, four, three, two, one, as we've done every other week. Yep. So this was another demolition for the Narbonne Gauchos, forty-eight to seven over Crenshaw. This is four in a row. Yeah. This is seven out of. This is a dynasty. Seven out of ten. This. This is the Montreal Canadiens, wow. which was a hockey dynasty back in the day. The New York Yankees. Greg. This is Boston. Why well, I can't even use that. Not gonna even say. Not gonna even say the basketball NBA team who uh, okay. won a few in a row. I'm not okay. gonna even mention their name. Okay. I'll mention. You know the Bulls won what six or. They won Something. three and then three, two three yeah. yeah. Had that MJ guy was pretty good. He wasn't terrible. This is seven out of ten in the margin of victory during the playoffs. 167 to 21 in the playoffs. Wow. We're talking playoffs. No one came within 34 of Narbonne from the time City League started. Yeah. League. So they played a really good non-league schedule. They played some they played St. Louis, they played Long Beach Poly, Centennial. They Centennial. They took some lumps. Yeah. But Hawaii. once league play, yeah, St. Louis from Hawaii, yeah, yeah, once league play started, their closest game was 34 points. They just rolled through everybody. We already wrapped the stats. Jamar Jefferson was big. Jermaine Chapman got the young receivers that are coming back. I mean, they're not going anywhere. They're really, really strong physically up front. They're going to lose their linebackers. They're going to lose Logan Taylor in the secondary. Yeah. But they're going to get guys, too. Yeah, they got they're guys gonna coming in. They're going to bring some guys coming in. And they got some young guys who are really yeah. good as well. So you have to give your hats off to Narbonne, who played a, a great schedule, didn't shy away from anybody, and didn't worry about it. What if our guy, guys get beat up and, you know, they're not really, no. you know, healthy for, for league play. Sure. Didn't care about that. They went in and, and just rolled a pretty solid Crenshaw team that had been competitive and probably their best Crenshaw team in a few years. You know, shout out to Manny Douglas, the head ball coach. I mean, he does a great job. Attracting players, 
He does a great job of managing his team, making sure they're peaking at the right time. Yeah, tough non-league schedule. Took a couple of shots, but had his team on pace um, and ready to perform during city league play. And you talk about dominance. Nobody comes within five touchdowns of you. Um, you outscore your playoff opponent opponents. What is it, five to one? I mean, that's just. <sighs> you know, I went and saw, you know, our student sports office is literally a five-minute drive from the Narbonne campus. And so when I was there, like in the really early stages of, of Manny's run, I'd say probably late 90s, okay. they were a mess. They had a few guys, but you go to a practice and they're just like these dirt fields. It wasn't organized. They're kind of just, there was no discipline there. Yeah. And if someone would have told me, fast forward to now, that they would win seven out of 10, I would have said no chance in heck. But again, credit to Manny Douglas. Yeah. He really got that, that, that going. Crenshaw won it five years ago, by the way. I incorrectly, I quoted the newspaper, said it was like 19, whatever I said, but looked it up. Uh, they actually won it five years ago, Narbonne the last four years, okay. and seven out of 10. So, you know, I, I read an interesting article about Manny Douglas, and he said that it said that he took trips all over the country to visit mm, staffs all I saw over that. the country. Yeah. Also met with uh, Coach Matt Logan or Centennial to really develop as a coach and help develop his philosophy and scheme offensively, yeah. how to practice, what to emphasize, what's your primary goals. Shout out to a guy who did the legwork yep. and did the research and put the work in uh, to develop a program and to construct a program um, in his in the way that he wanted to. And he did it his way. Like the old Frank Sinatra song, I did it my way. You actually went there. I did. No, no. And again, props to Manny and also my guy over there, Michael Clayton, who's kind of the recruiting guy. Yeah. People don't understand. You can be a great coach and win games and also get your kids out. And they, they do a great job. And I, honestly, that's what attracts players to your program. Yeah. If you told a parent or a kid, hey, here's that you can win a league title or you can get a, a free college education. Yes, they're they're going to want that free college education every single time. Now, if you combine those two, you'll have players go to your school. I mean, it's, it's a simple formula. So that's kind of a shout out to those coaches who feel like that's not my responsibility. I've heard coaches tell me this. It's not my job. I mean, and that's bizarre to me, Greg. Like, why would you not want to help a kid, number one? And even if it doesn't help you, but number two, it does help you. That's, help why you people, that's why people want to go to your school if you get guys out. Narbonne does a great job. They get seven to ten guys every year. Manny Douglas and Michael Clayton do a great job getting, you know, get the videos out and talking to the coaches for you. Not every coach will do that. Not every school does that. So it's it's incredible. Just a little nugget. People don't go to University of Alabama for their tremendous academic success, Greg Biggins. They actually go there because they put players in the NFL and they they. They win championships, right? They win SEC titles. Yeah. They win national titles. Yeah. And guess what? They get the top-rated class of every recruits year. every year because they put guys in the league and they win championships. So, high school coaches, if you are struggling with, hey, should I really help this kid with a scholarship? Should I really try to win games? There is a reference point for you. It'll probably help you get more talented players yeah. and fill up your student body, which then helps the and if you, can't, if you can't do it, which I get that, right? Not everybody can do full. If you're a public school, you, you may have another job or you're teaching and you got all that. Have a guy on your staff dedicated yeah. like Narbonne, like Bosco. Sure. For years, Bosco was the best team around. They didn't get guys out. 
Now all of a sudden, Terry Bullock's there now. They're getting guys offered like never before. Right. They were, the 2013 Bosco team, which is probably one of the two or three best teams. We'll have to talk maybe another time over the best teams we've seen. Sure. But the 2013 team had a ton of guys go to like Dixie State or schools like that because yeah. because they thought, well, you know, we're Bosco. We don't necessarily have to. They'll come to us. Yeah. They doesn't, didn't doesn't always. The they didn't. You got to sometimes be proactive. Sure. And that, and that's you know every school you know definitely needs a guy to, to be that to, you know that conduit. So uh, I think I need a conduit, Greg Biggins. What do you need a conduit for? I need I need a guy to market me. You market yourself really good, man. You don't need anyone else. You kidding me? Thank you. I appreciate that. How about D five? D five. How about Periclete taking down Mar Park, forty nine to twenty eight. Um, I think Mar Park led early and then Periclete just went on a run. They scored four touchdowns in a 10-minute period. Yeah. Brevin White, again, Andre Hunt, uh, Stovall. I don't think I mentioned Moquan earlier. He had seven for 70 and one touchdown. And uh, Hats off to Moore Park. They hadn't won a playoff game in five years. So to get to the finals is pretty cool yeah. for them. Uh, they got some good young talent. Again, the quarterback, Sturgill's young. Um, some good young skill players. But Paraclete is just such a, such a really good team. The only, only loss all season long was to Oaks Christian. Um, they took down Helix, who's playing this weekend. They won their section. They've beaten some really good teams. Periclete, it, it, they, remember Jamal Bell was supposed to be part of this program. Yeah. They lost him. They didn't, even, they didn't even bat an eye. They didn't even flinch. That would have been scary, though. That would have been good. You know, yeah. Bell and Bankhead has a nice little Ooh. thunder and lightning. Ooh. Yeah. So 49 to 28, Periclete is moving on. Congrats to that whole staff and Dean and Division Five Championship, the White family. Uh, good job by Paraclete. Happy for them. Looking forward to that matchup this week. How awesome is yeah. that going to be? That, yeah. That's going to be a very, very high-powered, high-scoring, physical football game. No question about it. Narbonne, Paraclete, looking forward to it. D4? D4, we had Cajon taking down Downey. Downey, 54 to 28. Again, I hope the stat is correct. I read it online. So usually they say if it's on the internet, it's got to be true. But this is Cajon's first title since 1987. Wow. I don't know if Jaden Daniels was even a, a flicker in his mother's eye at no, that time. No, Miss Daniels, no. Now Jaden Daniels is a man among boys. Javon Hill had an interception that game. All the stars showed up. Jeremiah Martin had a touchdown reception. You mentioned Darian Jones. Trey Noriega had two touchdown catches for Cajon. And this was a game also was a little bit close for a little bit. More uh, Downey scored first. And then Cajon just went on a nice run. And, uh, and it was over. I like what you said, GB. All the stars showed up. You know what? Even on the losing team, Brock Ross with 150 yeah. yards. And I saw a few highlights from that game. I mean, he had some dynamic cutback runs where he makes two or three guys miss, breaks two or three tackles. Um, the little guy, you know, short in stature, but <laughs> again, the, the guy runs with, with a physical prowess about him. Uh, played really, really well, but I think Cajon just overmatched, too high-powered, yeah. yeah. too talented of a team. Uh, we we called it beginning of the year. Cajon is loaded. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't think they probably should have lost earlier in the year. Uh, but, no, we had Pete but, Duffy on earlier, yeah. and I should have asked him, but he told me after that game, he goes, that was the most talented team we've ever played. We had no business yeah. winning that game. Yeah. And that was turning, Jeremiah said that was the turning point for, for his for his uh, the, for the team season, yeah, and I think the credit can go. You know, of course, Jaden is phenomenal, and Darren Jones is virtually unstoppable. The defense has really picked it up. The defense playing more aggressive, more physical, relentless to the football, tackling better with better technique. Jay Perk, Jeremiah Martin, Javon Hill, all Holland, all those guys. They stepped up. They got it done as we expected. Now they're moving on to a regional deal. 
Yeah, they're playing Rancho Verde, who will. That's oh, the D3 winner. Really quick. So if you want yeah. to segue it. Yeah, absolutely. Nice little segue. A nice little segue. So Cajon is going to move on. They win D4, and they will play the D3 winner, which was Rancho Verde over St. Francis, 44-42. to 42. Just an unbelievable game. 2020 kicker, Luis Santiago, hit the game winner with 37, set, 30, uh, 37 yards out with no time left on the clock. That was a buzzer beater a with partially tipped. A freshman? A 2020 sophomore. Oh, 2020. Uh, yeah. Okay, I thought he said 21. The ball was partially tipped. Wow. It was still going up, though. I mean, he drilled it. And this was, again, an unbelievable game back and forth. Rancho Verde had 703 yards of total offense. Wow. Mentioned all the receivers they had before. Mentioned the kicker. Uh, Josiah Richard Lewis, Manny Allen, Brock White went off. It was a really fun, entertaining game to watch. St. Francis never led until the last minute of this game. And they took the lead. It was a case where they took the lead. Rancho would score. They would answer. Rancho would score. So it was back and forth. Finally, St. Francis took a lead late in the game. There was a missed extra point involved in it. thought that might kind of come back. That's why um, at one point. So St. Francis took the lead 42 to 41 with a minute left. Boom. Drive the field, young quarterback, Brock White, leads them, sets up the game-winning field goal from 37 yards out, which is not a gimme at the high school level. Yeah, no. Anything past an extra point for me, and I'm nervous. Man, an extra point, I'm nervous. High school? 37 yards out, just a sophomore, nerves of steel. I said it last week about our guy from Oaks Christian who had the long interception. Yeah. St. Louis, Luis Santiago should never have to buy another soft drink for the rest of his high school career. At Rancho Verde. He should be comped everywhere he goes. Every restaurant, meals on us. Luis Santiago. Jeff Steinberg, one of the really good guys. Yeah. Great human being. So happy for him. Rancho will face Cajon next week in a little regional game. That should be fun. D2 and D, D3 and D4. That is an excellent game. Woo, that's an excellent game. That's it a great is. matchup. You talk about two explosive offenses. Yeah. The under, over and under that is going to be 120 maybe. Shout out to my guy, Jay Perk. I know I'm going to get a DM from him after he hears this. So D2. D2. We had Valencia. Big upset. And Oaks Christian. So Oaks Christian knocked off Upland. I tweeted out they took down the one and the two seed. Uh, That was not accurate. Uh, Heritage was actually the two seed. Valencia was the three seed. Yeah. But for me, I thought they were actually the best team along with Upland. So Oaks Christian ran, ran the gauntlet. Little shaky start. And again, we watched them play Chaminade, and they just got run over and beat up, and they looked disinterested. And, man, they, they just started to roll. I tell you what, Josh Calvert is a football player. No question. This kid is going both ways. Yes. Playing just like a man. This guy's a beast. Yes. It got beat up, had to come out of the game, had a wrist, taped it up, got back out there. He's making plays on defense, making plays at quarterback. But the, the defensive pressure was, was very similar to watching – the Chicago Bears' Buddy Ryan defense is taking out the New England Patriots back when the Patriots weren't what they are now. Yeah. I mean, they, they were getting hits on the quarterback on every single drop. 11 sacks. I mean, that's got to be close to a championship record. When you get to that point in the, of, a, of a, a game, yeah. usually you, you can pass protect. And they, tr- they were trying. I mean, Kayvon was getting blocked and chipped at times. But again, just relentless pressure. Obviously, they're doing a pretty good job in the back end covering guys because a couple of those were coverage sacks. When they had time to throw, they, was, they were making some play. Mikel Wright was so good. I mean, he was really explosive Always. with the ball in his hand yeah. defensively. 
Charbonnet had a long touchdown run in the first half. Um, Bryce Farrell made a couple plays. The guy that you loved last week, did I write his name down? I didn't write his name down. I don't want to try to butcher it. Um, Oaks Christian, two-way guy, DB. Robert Fletcher. Robert Fletcher made some yeah. plays. Yeah, he's good. Just that, you know, again, playing without Bo Calvert, you know that had to be kicking himself watching, watching his team do it, uh, not be able to contribute to that. But, no, Valencia hadn't been held to under 35 points the whole entire season. They only had scored 19. A couple of late fourth-quarter field goals by Oaks Christian, and they, they got it done. So did you get a chance to see any of the game? I watched most of it. Okay, because so, I'm a little – I'm a little confused. Oaks Christian has been known to give up candy on the ground. Yeah. Why did you drop back 11 times to get sacked again? So Javon Wilson, who's their power guy, he tried to go, wasn't really able to. Moses Haynes, they did a nice job kind of containing him and stopping him early. They had, I think, at least one, if not two touchdowns called back because of penalties. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was one of those deals where Valencia moved the ball and then would get sacked. They would move the ball, negative, then a penalty. Negative. negative they were the, the, if we had Evan on this week, which unfortunately we can't, right. but he would have told you this. Literally, when I was watching, which I watched probably much from the second quarter on, mm-hmm. they had such terrible down and distance throughout the game. Yeah. They could not get over the down and distance. I got you. Every positive play, there was a hold. There was a penalty. They would... Constantly being third and 15. It was one of those third games. and 12. Yep, I get it. Now. When they did have a big plan first down, it was, it was brought back. So I get it now. They would have loved to have run the ball, and they were successful a little bit, but Oaks Christian did a nice job stuffing the run, too. Yeah. Oaks Christian played their best game I've ever seen them play. Yeah, I want to shout out. It starts with the coaches. Okay, I'm a former coach. It starts with the coaches. Oaks Christian, as you said earlier, they got ran over. They got destroyed by Andrew Van Bully and Shaman out early in the year, and it was embarrassing. And I kind of went off on a tirade on their defense. They bounced back. They had their ups and downs kind of in early in the year. Seemed to have been playing solid. But to listen, penalties or no penalties, you got 11 sacks. So, first of all, I got to tip my cap, right? You got after the quarterback. Secondly, GB says they did a good job of stopping the run. So, right off the top of my head, I'm saying coaches did a great job of scheming and developing run defense throughout the year. And it sounds like they peaked kind of when they yeah, needed to in the yeah. playoffs. Uh, in addition to that, the pressure on the quarterback led by Thibodeau with four sacks, three in the second half, sounds impressive. I didn't see it. Can't wait to kind of get my DVR rocking or, or at least my, my iPad or my Mac computer. Oaks Christian's defense Steps up and gets it done. Holds a high power. I don't know how much Valencia was averaging. I think they were averaging like 56 points a game on a year. And Oaks Christian holds them to 19. What a great job. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I... So, Charlie Collins. Charlie Collins, Is yeah. the OC over there. Where? I didn't even know that. Where? At Oaks Christian. Really? Yeah, so... I've known Charlie since Phenom Factory days, right? I have to. So, he... Facebook's a picture of himself with the Oaks Christian deal on and say, you know, we got it done. I thought maybe he was the receiver coach. I go, hey, Charlie, congratulations. And so we're kind of going back and forth. And then I'm at the Bosco game, modern day game, and I'm talking to some other people, Derek Holmes, who's really good friends. I go, man, I didn't know Charlie was, you know, receiver coach over at Oaks. He goes, he's the OC. Like, Charlie's the OC? Like, that's a pretty, because Charlie's 
always busy. Like, he's training guys. He was always doing. I go, how does he have the time to be an O coordinator? Right, of a high school, of a high powered high school team. Yeah. yeah. So I think he kind of came in late. He kind of came in maybe after the year had started. So, okay. yeah, it was cool. It was cool for Charlie to, to see that he was over there and, you know, but. Uh, Charlie Collins. Charlie Phenom Collins, Factory. Phenom Factory. C. Was, Collins. Hey, coach, that was back in 2003. I think I met Charlie maybe 14, 15 years ago. Yeah, he's, I mean, maybe. shoot, he was doing it before I started at Stone Sports. We did an event oh, like really? back in the late 90s, and he was training dudes. I mean, he's the yeah. one who, tra- I mean, he's got a, a, a Ray, Chad Johnson, who's yeah. been, I mean, he's got a ton of guys. Wow. Charlie's good people. Yeah, he is. Good dude. Any games left? I think we got Any one. Any games you want to talk about at all? I think we got one. We got a little, we got, we got, some, we got some folks who are a little perturbed. We got some folks who are a little upset. We got some folks who are a little happy. So let's just just to put some, uh, just to kind of set the scene. Last year, the, last year these two teams played, and Bosco literally manhandled them, beat them up. It was forty-two to twenty-eight Bosco last year, and it wasn't that close. Yeah. So just fast forward a whole year later, modern day takes down Bosco, forty-nine to twenty-four, and it wasn't that close. No. Right. It was. Close for a bit. There's a couple of turning points. You watched the whole game? I did. There's a couple, I thought a couple key turning points. And one of them was Bosco scores about a minute left. It's about, it's about going into halftime. Modern gets it. Yep. And I think at that time, Bosco had cut the lead to, was it 17 to 10? Yes. 13 to 10? I, 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 don't, I thought I wrote all these notes down, but I don't. I think I don't it was 17 to 10. It was a one possession game. Yeah. And then just boom, 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 boom. Four plays. Touchdown. Now, all of a sudden, like, you're deflated. Because Marte gets the ball to start the second half. They score. That's two touchdowns just like that. And you go from feeling kind of good. 31-10. And it just, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of a surreal thing. You know, I tailgate with the Bosco family. I tailgate with the modern-day people the first game. So I wanted to share the love. And okay. everyone was asking, hey, so who do you got? Who you got? And. I was on it. I go, hey, I got Modern Day, right? I picked them, and they were like, yeah, we understand. Like, I didn't get any, any grief because they – I mean, Modern Day was just so ridiculously good and talented. And right, right. We'll, we'll save the conversation if they get by De La Salle next week where this team ranks historically yeah. in Southern California. But for me, I mean, you talk about Brew McCoy, you talk about D, uh, JT, talk about Amon Ra, but the MVP of the game for me was the offensive line. No question. That is as good a unit. And it's not just individually they're good. No, it's as a unit. But they are so good as oh, a unit. Said. They're so, I mean, I think three of those, three of those guys are three-year starters. Yeah. Koa, Tommy, and Chris Murray. Um, Mason Kolinchek's like that. He's like that fifth Beatle. He doesn't get the, you know, the love. Maybe he's, the, maybe he's Ringo. He's the fourth Beatle who never got the love that the other guys did. <laughs> what up, Ringo? But, but, but he's good. Yeah. Then you bring in Miles Moreo, who works out. You know, they all work out together. You know, Jesse Sapalo, yeah. Chris Ward, former modern-day Monarch, former UCLA Fitz alignment. He's the, he's the coach. And it's all, they all work together. So those five guys, just seamless. Communication, calling things out. I mean, it's individually they're very good, but I think it's, uh, the sum is even greater than the parts. We watched those five guys work together. JT was never touched. He got flushed a couple times, made some throws outside of the p- pocket that were really good. They were the, they they didn't dominate the, uh, running the football that much. They had the, they broke. Jacoby broke a fifty yard at the end of the game. That's kind of the backbreaker. But I think they only had like fifty yards rushing up to that up to that point. Um, 
But that O-line for me was the best unit on the field by far. And that was it. Bosco wasn't able to pressure JT at all. He had time to throw. Guys got deep in the secondary. Obviously, hearing there was some miscommunication going on back there. Are we in zone? Are we in man? I don't know. All I know was guys were running free. JT had time to throw. Usually it's one or the other. I know you got lots of thoughts. You're just smiling, waiting for your turn here. I should just, I should just keep going and going and going. You should just keep going. But go ahead and, and share, share what you saw. Share what you thought. <clears throat> I saw a lot. And I, I think the best way to sum it up, I don't really want to sum it up. I want to break it down. I think you said a lot with the modern-day offensive line. It's as good as I've seen. They may not have ran the ball for a bunch of yards, but they were effective running the ball, Greg. When they wanted to get seven yards on the ground, they got seven yards on the ground. There are a few plays where a Bosco defender could not get off a block. I mean, whole sides were wiped out. It was like a biblical story. You know, God, he just wipes out an entire nation. That was the modern day offensive line. They could just wipe out the entire Bosco nation on that side of the football whenever they chose to. In terms of rushing the passer, pass rush was non-existent. JT got outside the pocket a few times. I don't think he needed to. Um, I think he just chose to. It wasn't, he didn't get outside the pocket because there was pressure. I just think he chose this, you know, to depart from the pocket. Um, one thing I know about high school football is when you've got great, a great receiver in high school football, it doesn't really matter how good the defensive backs are. You cannot guard. You don't have the experience. You don't have the technique. You don't have the savvy to guard a great high school receiver. That only, that only comes down to when you become an upperclassman in college or you, you're playing professionally somewhere. Nobody could have guard. Nobody could have guarded. Blue McCoy Friday night, Saturday night. Anyway, I don't care what defensive back in the country. You could have brought anybody in the country, high school, they weren't going to guard him. Too big, too fast, too strong, too much of a playmaker. Amon Ross St. Brown, nobody was going to guard him in that second half. Tremaine Johnson from my LA Rams could have taken Blue McCoy, I think. <laughs> he might have given up a catch. Tremaine Johnson's having a good year. He is having a good year. I just year. jumped in there with a little Rams comment. <laughs> yeah, you Continue, did. continue. Um, I don't, I, it didn't matter. It just did not matter. Those those guys are special football players. It did not matter who Bosco had to put on them. They were going to get loose. It was their time to shine. They took it on the chin last year. That revenge factor was definitely an effect that I've been talking about all year. And they just got after Bosco. Yeah. They got after him. Uh, that surprised me a little bit. Not that they had revenge, but just we know Bosco really, really well. Sure. And they usually are the ones that play angry and feed off people not picking them. But if you're on the, I was on the sidelines, modern day played with a lot more anger and aggressiveness. And I said before, my analogy was, was gladiator. Whereas modern day was, you know, the Roman soldiers who just looked all nice and dressed up. Yeah. And the savages are the ones that eat the raw meat. That was Bosco. But modern day was the one that was eating raw meat. They were more physical yeah. in that, in this game. They looked like they were hungrier. And the weirdest thing was after the game was over, it was the most mellow celebration. I asked about 10 guys, I go, hey man, I don't, usually you guys would be like jumping up and down and doing celebrations and cartwheeling it. 
It was almost like they never won. They they kind of expected it to happen, but it was they hadn't hit them yet. They're all like, dude, it's, it's just surreal. Like we can't believe we just won this. It just it had such a surreal feeling for them. They didn't know what to do with themselves. You know that's interesting. And what was interesting what you just said was modern day out Bosco Bosco. Modern day did to Bosco what Bosco does to other people, right? They they force their will on other people, right? They get that ball a minute before half. I remember Bosco did that to Servite. Servite had closed it to a one-score game. Bosco came down, bang, bang, mm. touchdown, and kind of separated from Servite. Modern day did the same thing to Bosco that Bosco does to other schools. And... Bosco got dominated. I don't know any nicer way to no. put it, Greg. They got dominated. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. They got dominated. Like, last year, Bosco dominated, dominated modern day. It doesn't mean... And like, we had off-the-mic discussions. I don't think it means that Bosco didn't try or they quit. I just think those guys were better than these guys significantly. I mean, they just... They were better in this game. At every single spot, I mean, it's, it's a modern day, which is a great football team. Great team. And Bosco, I never sensed that they were really in it. Even though they got kind of close right before the halftime, I never got the sense that they were going to win the game. And, and here's the thing that I, I was telling Bosco parents before the game started, because I was tailgating. They kept saying, well, last game... You know, that was DJ's first game, and we had the punt return. They got called back, and we had this other penalty. And I go, here's the deal. I go, you know what? That first game you guys played, that was Marte's worst game ever that they played all year. And that's how all fans are. I'm, I'm like that, right? Of course. We all You always say, well, if we didn't do this, this, and this. Right. But you kind of completely forget the fact that that other team over there, they had penalties. They had interceptions. Right. They, they had, had fumbles. Combo, right? They had a guy get sacked. Yeah. You know, it's basketball, if we didn't turn the ball over, we didn't miss our layups. Well, that team sport. missed free throws. That team missed three-pointers. That team did this and that, that. You know, soccer. If we didn't miss our... They missed a PK. They, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. they were so hung up on, oh, we didn't have DJ yet. That was his first game. And we had a punt call back. And we were sloppy. Modern day played an ugly first game against Bosco. Yeah, it was not clean. That was all. not a clean... They had more penalties in that game. Over 100 yards. They had a touchdown call back on a bad call. Amon Rob pancaked the guy. They had... I mean, so... Just going into the game, I just kind of thought, we both picked modern day. I always give Bosco a fighting chance. You know, Rocky Balboa always has a fighting chance. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I was going to be surprised. I just thought modern day was so well prepared. And then after about the first quarter, you kind of just saw how they physically kind of, they kind of matched up a little bit. You know, last year we saw right away, Bosco was going to run over modern day on both sides of the line. Yeah. You, you saw that right away. Last year, Bosco ran for 400 yards. Why Davis, yeah. And... They just literally outmuscled them. They took away Marade's will. And on the other side, other side of the ball, they yeah. killed JT. They got in his head. Marade couldn't run the football. They swarmed him. Yeah. This year, I mean, Marade's offensive and defensive front, not just their D-line, because they run an odd man front, but they had linebackers coming. Brew McCoy, you know, was ridiculous. They were not even playing with Solo. He's got the foot. He's going to be out for a little while. Yeah. Mace Funa. Yeah. Twila Namaka, yeah. Falu had a couple sacks. I mean, these were all guys. And again, they were so well-schemed and so well-coached. Eric Johnson had those guys. They were coming from all different directions. So DJ was never... DJ made some big-time throws. Yeah. Big-time, where the windows were really tiny. Yeah. Talked to his you know, dad and uncle after the game for a long time. And, and great family, right? 
And they know he, you know, he's got to get better. Still kind of locks in, and Modern Day was kind of feeding off of that. They knew that if they had to make him go from one to two, they would get pressure there. And right now, again, we're talking DJ and Bryce Young in the same class. That's one edge. You've got to give Bryce. Bryce goes, boom. I mean, he sees the field. Yeah. DJ needs to continue to work and not just be content with just, hey, I have, the, I have the biggest arm on the field. I have the most accurate arm on the field. You know, got to be able to get off that first guy. And when he had to go to the second guy, they had a guy in the backfield ready to go. Yeah. Let me, let me say this before I, I get to talking about DJ because I, I do want to – I was very, very impressed with him. For a couple of reasons. I knew on that first drive, not even when it was over, Greg, I knew on the first third down or fourth down that the game was going to be dominated by modern day. I Again, I did not like the plan. It's fourth and seven, and, and Bosco's DBs are playing 10 yards off the receivers. It, it seemed like Bosco was afraid to challenge. And I mean, the, the players, I just it, it seemed like the plan was to be to be ten. It was a tentative plan. It was a apprehensive plan. It, it didn't seem like it was aggressive enough. You just talked about how modern day came after DJ. Linebackers here, slot guys there, stunts up front. I didn't get that from Bosco. They had two fourth down conversions. Modern day did on the first drive, where Bosco played base vanilla defense. Third, you said third down, third or fourth down. Yeah, they didn't. And they didn't have a fourth. They don't think they got yeah. to a fourth down. Yeah, they did. JT, remember he runs one on a fourth down. He scrambles. On the first drive of the game? Yeah. He scrambles for a first down on the first drive. I thought that was a third. I know. Okay. Okay. I believe it was a fourth down. I remember they, I, thought, I thought they converted three third downs in that opening possession, yeah, it, which, and they looked, it was, they did it so casually, so easily, casually and easily. There was, there was, they didn't try to speed JT up. They didn't try to get in his face. They didn't try to get in Bruce's face. They just allowed those guys to pitch and catch and execute, which, as JT put it so eloquently, we've been playing together our whole lives. Yeah. Coach, that's just too easy, Coach. You didn't give your team an opportunity to boost their confidence. You didn't give them an opportunity to show that they could play with this team. You allowed this team to execute on you without resistance. That's what bothered me. That's what didn't sit well with me. As a former coach, Greg, you got to put your players in position to be as highly as successful as possible. On fourth and six, you cannot play nine yards off of Bruce McCoy. He's going to run a stop or a slant, and the ball's going to be on the money, and it's first down. So now there's a 12-play drive. Your defense is sucking wind on the first drive. It's, it's, Man, if they were sucking wind on the first drive. Coach, 12 plays, you're going to suck wind. On the first drive? Yeah, it doesn't matter, Greg. 12 plays on defense, you're going to suck wind. There's no question. You ask any defender out there. You run full speed for 12 plays. <laughs> That's what you're going to get. Do it. Put it like this. Run 50-yard sprints after we get done recording with 15 seconds breather in between. Tell me how you feel oh, after I, that. I can nail that. Yeah. You nail it all right. Was, they weren't running 50 yards in every play. Saying, yeah. No, I know what you're saying. I know what you're right? saying. Uh, I, I, think, I think I saw somebody from the Long Beach Press-Telegram. Uh, tweeted out that they they brought blitz pressure seven times I think in the in the first half or the first quarter not the first quarter like the first half or the or the for, for uh, up to three quarters in the game okay I don't remember seeing that but they said on those seven plays that they tracked where they brought extra pressure yeah. uh, they picked up a first down six out of the seven of those plays or something like that okay I don't remember seeing a lot of blitzing 
Seven, so seven seemed like a big number for me. But they, I mean, again, they might have thought if we bring extra pressure, he's going he's gonna to kill us anyway. So what I did, Greg, and, and this is just me being OCD, I tweeted every play of the game. From what I saw, and listen, I'm live tweeting during the game, every play of the game. And when I look back at those tweets, I didn't see a bunch of extra pressure. Now, they might have had three down and brought an extra guy, which means four. But they didn't bring five. They didn't bring six. They didn't bring seven. One time, I saw one exotic type of pressure, kind of like a crisscross deal with the inside backers. They got pressure on JT. Got right in his face. JT threw it up for grabs. Should have been picked, but it kind of fell incomplete. And I'm thinking in my head, where has that been? Why haven't I seen more of that in this game? It's a, it was is a head scratcher. You really tweeted every single play. Not not of the game. I think of the first half. Okay, that is insane. I live tweeted every play because I wanted to go back and look at those. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wanted to have those notes. Sure. It's a lot and of tweeting. It is a lot of tweeting. And man, I'm at home. I'm sitting there, with cocktail in one hand, and I'm. Got my remote in the other hand, and I'm just chilling. I'm not working, you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm playing. I, I'm, I'm actually watching a few games. I'm not yeah, no, I think we both are. So, yeah, um, no, I I, I, I I, see where you're coming from 100%. It didn't see, I thought Bosco would have been a little more aggressive in terms of the blitzing. Or, like you said, what, what you normally see is you see either you, you bring five or six or seven, you bring a lot of pressure, or you're having those receivers doubled up. It was neither. So, I mean... It was neither. You know what? So where were those? I guess those guys. Were they spying? I, I was, on, they I was, I was field level. I was field level. So I didn't have a great view like you did. But I, I saw receivers running pretty open. And I saw a lot of three-man rushes. And so, again, if I was up in the booth, I probably could have seen. Maybe there was four or five guys just kind of in the middle of the field. Just kind of, I don't know. but Garden grass. That's what we call it. Yeah. I mean, I. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about Bosco too much. As much I want to just say how great Modern Day was. Yeah, Modern Day was great. That was just. That's a great football team. I think Bosco had a game plan going in, and it just it didn't work. It didn't work. Before I talk about Modern Day, I wanted to talk about DJ. Yeah. I thought he was special. Great. This was. I was more impressed this game than I have been all year. I mean, he had relentless pressure in his face, and he was so accurate with the football. He could not hand it to those receivers better than he was throwing it. I mean, the ball was going straight to their gut. He was so accurate. The ball was coming out very, very quickly. Uh, and like you said, once he tried to get off one guy, he was being pressured. That was the difference between, of course, JT sitting back there. Just learning how to play the quarterback position. Of course. Um, knowing when you got a mismatch up front, you got to be able to, A, get off that first receiver and then slide, climb, escape, do what you need to do to get outside that pocket and make something happen. But I was very impressed with his accuracy. I was very impressed with his velocity, which I think I'm always impressed with. But he was just very accurate with the football. Yeah. He was placing that ball between numbers. And to add, you know, another thing we didn't see much. I think it was a was it a fourth down play or a third down play where he it was a, he took the zone read and he took it for 40 yards. Yeah, and he had a QB draw for about. 30. I only saw that one time. Yeah. And that was another thing that someone you know talked about after the game was over is that the one time we saw DJ actually actually keep it on a run, he went for 40. Why didn't we see more of that? Why didn't we see DJ running the football more? When you play a terrific defense, Greg, quarterback run has got to be not only in the game plan, it's probably got to be the primary part to the game plan. Look at Deshaun Watson in the last two 
college football playoffs, right? Versus Ohio State, he ran for a ton. Versus Alabama, he ran the ball a bunch. You know when you play a great mm-hmm. defense that plus one in the running game is a QB run. It's a must. It's yeah. A, it's the primary deal. And, it just, and even if you just give him give the defense the threat. Of course. Like, literally, Bosco used a guy to spy on JT. That tells you what you need to know. Last year, you're not, you're not spying on him. You're bringing the house because you know the guy can't move. Right. So, again, I was on the ground level. I didn't probably the angle you did. Maybe, maybe they already had Brim McCoy or maybe someone spying on DJ. Yeah. That's why he couldn't run. But I just know the one time he did run, he went for 40, yeah. and that set up a touchdown. But no, I mean, you can make an argument. DJ is as accurate a quarterback that I've seen from a sophomore standpoint. Oh, arm strength is already – he has the best arm in the country. I mean, he won no long question. ball competition, 80-yard, 80, 80 81-yard 80 no throw. Yep. We sat the opening. I think the winner was Matt Corral with like a 77-yard throw. Yeah. DJ's got an 80-yarder in, in his plus. arsenal. Yeah. So – Again, I, I love DJ and the family. I want to I want to see him continue to develop as a quarterback. Yeah. You know, just know that you know being able to throw the ball is the is just a small part of what it means it means to be a quarterback. It's getting a lot. You watch Aaron Rodgers, who's my favorite guy. He does so much before the play even starts. Yeah. Before the play even starts. Yeah. Right. Moving these guys around, seeing this guy, seeing that guy. Yeah. Looking this guy off, looking that guy off. Now that's what it means to be a, a quarterback. So if DJ can get that part down with the physical tools, I mean that's just you know. He'd be the greatest player to ever play the game. <laughs> um, yeah, you're talking Cam Newton body and athleticism with uh, with Joe Montana. Yeah. His skill set and head. I don't think yeah. that, that probably wouldn't be fair. Yeah, I don't think that would be fair. So really quickly, let's touch on modern day. I put out a tweet, and some people had issue with this. I said, Brew McCoy, to me, is the best player in the state because of the way he affects the game mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. I would argue that he's the best linebacker in the state if he played it full time, yeah. whatever the case may be. Yeah. I argue that there's no receiver better than he is in terms of ceiling in the state of California. I just, I, you know how I feel about Bro. Mm-hmm. I think everybody knows how I feel about Bro. He's unstoppable. Yeah. To me, he's unstoppable yeah. at the high school level. Too big, too fast, too talented, too strong. The game's too easy for him. I'm going to jump over you. I'm going to run past you. I'm going to slide on the ground, catch the ball. I'm going to spin off your block. I'm going to fight off your block and snatch a quarterback by his collar and throw him on the ground. There's nothing this kid can't do. Three catches, three touchdowns. Amon Ra dominated the second half. You know he was going to get his. Yeah. Tapping his wrist. He's got that ice in his veins. <laughs> uh, JT, I thought, he was, I thought he was good. I didn't think he was great. I thought his, his accuracy was a little off. I thought he left the pocket when he didn't need to. But he threw five touchdowns. I was yeah. nitpicking yeah. maybe a little bit. No, to, 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 so I actually asked about that because I think he had, and I even tweeted it. So he threw two deep balls that were wide open. I think for like he threw like a five yard over the guy's head. And I said, dude, I go, man, you only had seven, seven incompletions, but you could have had like three more touchdowns. He goes, dude, I was, he just said, you know what? I was overamped. Yeah. He goes, this is the game I've been waiting my whole life for. Okay. Because we came out early. I get that. And like, I thought I was throwing my normal, my normal deep ball, and the thing just... It just died on it. Yeah. In the second half, I thought he was a lot better. Yeah. You know, some of his balls were a lot more accurate in the second half. I mean, he threw a couple balls. I think one of Bruce's touchdowns was off his back foot, off platform. Yeah. It was just like a laser, about 20 yards. Is that the one he caught going out of bounds? No, that was another one. That was a special. One. That was a rollout. This yeah, was, was this sick. was this was the one where he was kind of rolling through it, and it was like yeah. Brubakoy just kind of cur- was a curl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like right when he, uh, I don't want to name that. You know, the Bosco's DB but it was right over his head. Yeah. First half, I think he was just a little, little overamped. Yeah. Like you said, he escaped the pressure. 
the pocket, which yeah. he's never done. Usually he's going, what, sits in there. He was a little anxious to try to use those new legs. He was very anxious. New, new, yeah. new legs. So um, I thought he was better in the second half, but he did miss some throws in the first half. He said, hey, man, I'm just, I was just over, just jacked. Yeah. You know, NCAA double-A tournament no, game, no. you're going to miss those free throws yeah. a little bit long, I mean, right? even I, I get it because that revenge game, I know how bad JT won that game. I can imagine mm-hmm. he's such a big-time competitor. So, yeah, I get that. Um, again, I thought he was good. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think he was great. No, if you're comparing um, him to his normal standards, yeah, he, he yeah. missed, some, missed some balls. Uh, I thought Amon Ra, I mean, he does, you know, what Amon Ra does. I'm going to make big plays. I'm going to make some phenomenal catches. The defense, Logaleo, mm. you know, he's consistent pressure. Funa, consistent pressure. Jack Genova with a couple of big-time hits on the quarterback. Um, Elias Ricks, uh, he's special to me. I mean, his ceiling's bananas. I think he's got, probably going to be the top defensive back corner cover cover corner in the country on the West, in the country. But on the West Coast, I don't know what they got out on the East Coast right now for uh, 2020. But yeah, if he stays at corner, I mean, he's a big. I mean, he's six two. If he keeps, you know, he's only a sophomore. The six two corner that I know, I'm pretty good friends with, that says uh, this kid's got the stuff. Is that, is that Namdi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got the stuff. But he definitely has the yeah. stuff. Yeah, I love Rick. Hopefully, his body stays I, lean. I thought G Dub played really well, locking up. Uh, I thought Stephon Robbins made a great play to kind of seal the deal on a fourth down on a slant versus to, to Chris Hudson. Yeah, knocking it away. I mean, modern day is loaded. They're. Uh, they're a Division One champs, man. They're big time, and they're gonna have a matchup with De La Salle in two weeks. And I don't think that's gonna be close, GB. Yeah, and if they do get by De La Salle, so I think next year's next week's show, I think it'll be fun to actually talk about where they rank historically. Yeah. You know, there was a 2013 Bosco yeah. team. They don't play De La Salle this week, do they? No, they have a bye. So yeah, two okay. weeks. So we'll yeah, do it in two weeks. Do it yeah. in two weeks. I forgot. My bad. Okay. Two weeks. Yeah. There's 13 Bosco. There was. You know, the, the George Farmer, Marquise Lee, Robert Woods, Sarah team. There was the 2001 Long Beach Poly team that had, like, the, big, the first big five. Mercedes, yeah. Manuel Wright, Herschel Dennis. Yeah. You know, where does this team rank historically? That'll, that'll be fun. But got to win one more game before we t- have that conversation. Yeah, got to win one more. I've seen De La Salle live. They are not a good matchup for this modern-day team. Yeah. I can tell you that right now. Uh, we'll, but we'll talk about that on our match. Hey, but Nate right Kenyon, you do your thing, man. It's my boy, Nate. I, I always give you a fighting chance. The Spartans, I will never count them out. Yeah, well, hey, never. Nate, hey, Nate, you are the DB coach. You better get ready. You got a couple five stars coming in, and they're going to light you up if you don't get them boys ready. No, it's going to be a tough Nate, deal. Nate will have them ready. It's going to be a tough deal, but, you know, hey, we'll, we'll preview that on our matchup show in a couple of weeks. Uh, but that about does it, GB. Yeah, man. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good, too. So we appreciate you joining us. The Transparent Truth, the number one high school football podcast in America. Catch our Friday matchup show this Friday. We're looking at the regional championship game. A lot of really, really good matchups highlighted by Pierre Narbon, Rancho Verde, Cajon. Be looking out for that. Follow us on social media. Follow the show, Instagram, Twitter. We're out there. Facebook, we're out there. Just give it a search. Without further ado, it's time to bring this baby to a close. There's a new sheriff in town. And his name's Richie Hammond. Y'all be cool.